Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. I am Dan, I serve as the pastor here, and so if you're new with us, I met a, a few new people here just before the service, and so we're hoping that uh, it's been going good for you so far, uh, and we want you to know that, uh, as, as Chris mentioned, that uh, we're here for you, so we'd love to get to know you a little bit more. Um, I think we're fairly normal people, just, you can ask a few people around if we're normal, but normal's kind of boring too, so we don't want to be that, uh, but look, we're so glad you came, and we've been in this series this uh, more than meets the eye. We're actually today we're wrapping it up, and I thought we'd wrap it up with this whole thought. And it's actually something that we talked about quite a bit last year about this time when we did a whole series called "Live Loved." And I thought we'd land the plane of this series with that thought. And it's Valentine's week and weekend, and so I don't know if you had an opportunity on Friday to celebrate love. Uh, if you're kind of in you know that's a funky thing for you or whatever it is. I hope today that you will leave here really, truly knowing that you're loved. That when you look in the mirror, when you see yourself, that you are loved. That more than meets the eye is what you see is actually, actually deeper than that. Uh, The last few weeks, we've been asking this question, and I think it's been helpful. I know it's been helpful for me and a few others, is this, you're asking this question, what, uh, really, what's the story you're telling yourself? And that's been helpful for me. It triggers me in moments because there's moments of, of, of what even Shane expressed earlier about fear that can come over us or anxiety or jealousy or what, whatever stirs of anger. Like, why am I feeling this way? What is the story I'm telling myself? And, and a lot of it's connected to how we were raised. Either we experience a lot of love, how, how we were raised and shaped us, or how we have been hurt and wounded. Both of them kind of make up who we are. And it comes down to really, at the end of the day, our identity. I don't know if anybody's asked you recently or even been accused of this, and they point their finger at you, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? And what they're asking is not, it's not a very pleasant thing, but they're, but they're really, they've been somehow threatened by you, or you, you cross boundaries, or whatever it might be, and, but that question is something that can, can grip us, like, who am I really? In the book of James, the, the, the apostle talks about how we can look in the mirror and forget what we look like, but rather when we look into the mirror of, of what God's given us, his word, and, and put it to practice, it's something, something powerful. And it, it's, this is what he says. He says in James 1, he says, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues it is not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they'll be blessed in what they do. And today, as we look in the perfect Word of God. We, we look into this perfect, wonderful word that we have, this perfect law. Well, I want to encourage you, it's a law of love. It's a law of love. But when you have, if you have a physical Bible or a Bible app, the words in there are words of love. And really, the Bible is, is a collection of an incredible amount of, of love letters. Now, 
I don't know if you've collected love letters and your loves of the past or you're married and married for years, but this box here, and I, I brought the box out if you were with us for a while. This is a box I've shared before. This sits in our garage, but it's, it means a lot. We've carried it for years, my wife and I, over 25 years. This box is the box of our love letters that we wrote to one another. And back in the ancient day, there wasn't there wasn't text messaging, there wasn't social media, there wasn't email. Can you believe that? It's so weird to think there wasn't email back when we first started dating. And we had a long distance relationship and so it, it, it required us, not only like we tried to call each other, which was fine, but back in the day, phone calls were expensive long distance. Uh, some of us remember buying a calling card and then they would say, your calling time is up. Like, oh no, you know, and you, you didn't have, you ran out of time and you had to buy more time and time was expensive and you get the big bill and like, okay, we're going to write letters to one another. And so these letters we kept and some of these letters, they're, they're just expressions that, that, that I are, are wonderful and we can treasure. A lot of them are me apologizing in these letters. <laughs> but there's one here that I'm just going to embarrass myself. Uh, it, 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 it just, it's, it's, oh my goodness. I pulled this out this morning. I found this. Is, is it, it, this is what I wrote my girlfriend of five months. You are such a babe. It's worse. You are the queen. If, you're, if, if, there was a, if you were a queen, you would be the queen of Babylonia gets worse. If you were president, you would be Abraham Lincoln. Bad. That's embarrassing. My, my wife is like, oh my gosh. That, and it is, you believe in miracles. The fact after just a few months, you still would date me because of this. This is, this is not good. I think I was in, influenced like Wayne's World or something back in that time. So really, really bad and cheesy. But she, she had saw promise in me. But it's love letters. The Bible is a binder of love letters. That's what it is. When you, if you read with the, through the eyes of love, it's, it's powerful. God created us out of his great love. And we read through creation how when even after Adam and Eve sinned, Scripture says that God goes to them in the cool of the day, wanting relationship. And then we know the story. There was consequences and sin and separated from God. And, and yet God wasn't given up on his people. He continued to read through all of the Old Testament. What was described as this covenant, this ongoing covenant, it came through Noah and it came through Abraham and it came through Moses. And it, a lot of it did contain law and requirements and everything, but threaded within it, wove within it, is this beautiful love story. I've been reading through Deuteronomy. And just the other day, I came across this. It's like, and I love Deuteronomy. I love, you know, you got the first five books called the Pentateuch. That's the Bible, five. And, and Deuteronomy is one of those. And what I love about Deuteronomy is it's, it's, it's a little bit more personal of Moses reflecting upon his life. Like he's, he's, he's getting up there. He knows he's going to die. He actually even knows he's not allowed to go in the promised land, which is pretty amazing in that whole story. So he's telling the next generation, here is the story of God and this love story. And I love what he says in 
In Deuteronomy 7, 5 through 8, says, he says this, For you are a holy people who belong to the Lord your God. All the people of earth, the Lord your God has chosen you to be his own special treasure. The Lord did not set his heart on you and chose you because you were numerous than other nations. Rather, it was simply that the Lord loves you and that he was keeping his covenant he had made, he had sworn to you. I love that. He's simply that he loves you. That's all the reason for it all. And yet the people rebelled. People were taken in captivity and the consequences. And we just see this ping pong. It happens back and forth with the nation of Israel. And even in, in the time of captivity, the prophet Jeremiah rises up. The Lord even called him. It says he was formed his mother's womb, he was called by God, that he later spoke for the Lord and said this long ago, the Lord said to Israel, Jeremiah 31, 3, says, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. With an unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. Even when, even when they did not love God and rejected God's love, God never stopped loving them. See, there's consequences. Yes, there's consequences being disobedient. It happens. Life happens. It's filled with that. But we need to recognize that he never, ever gave up on them. He never gave up on us. So if you're here this morning, even the whole idea of love and the reality, you know, and you're feeling you haven't been loved this week, you're even maybe doubting God's love. Even after all that's expressed, can I remind you of this? Of this is love. John says this. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as atoning sacrifice for our sins. That tells us of his love and has proven his love on the cross. I don't know, ladies, when you're a little girl, if you ever took the, the petals of a flower and, and you broke them off, I love you, he loves me, he loves me not, I love he loves me, I lo- he loves me not, he loves me. Hopefully you get the end, like, oh, I hope he loves me. At the, you don't have to doubt. We don't have to doubt at the end. At the end, always, 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 God loves us. And he's proven his, his love towards us. And to be affirmed in that. So, Valentine's weekend, 2020, here it is. You need to know this. You are Fully known, yet fully loved. You are fully known, yet fully loved. You know, in the relationship, my, my, and this again, it's a miracle that she kept me around. And, but we express some sentiments. At some point, maybe we use the L word here. We said I would love. But, you know, I loved her back then, but I also loved pizza. Okay? And so love was something that grows with Contacts and time and trials and everything. And after now 25 years, I could say, I love her much deeply than I loved her back then. I thought I loved her back then. No, I love her even more. Love grows and that. And I was thinking, well, 25 years is a lot, but boy, the other day we, we buried my, my uncle Chuck, 90 years old. And, and I'm looking at, as I'm conducting service and looking at my aunt, who was also 90 years old. And my, my aunt and uncle, they had been married up to this point 72 years. 72 years. They got married. She was 17. He was 18. And it was, and my, my aunt got up and told the story. And everybody was like, whoa. And they, and, and, and they ended up like 
getting married, and, and she said, my, my aunt was younger, and so they, they showed up at our house and said that they got married. <laughs> Can you imagine back then how that would have been? And like, well, that's a different day. I don't know. That would be another time. But that, this start of their young marriage, they, they been married that long. That is the test of time. Talk about this idea of living loved. To live loved is right there. God, our creator, knows us, and yet still loves us. To know someone deeply and yet even love them more is so powerful. And that's how, how God sees us. But this idea of, I mean, of being fully known is kind of intimidating, isn't it? Someone to re- who really knows you and still loves you. They, you think about how God sees us and loves us. He knows every cracks and holes of our soul. He knows, he knows my shameful ways, my greed, my need to be needed. My, and he knows the worst of me. God knows the worst of me, and yet still his response to me is love and has proven his love towards me. So if we can truly believe, think about this, if we could truly believe deep down in our souls that this deep, everlasting love is real, that becomes our very identity. And it's a game changer, isn't it? For all of us. That no matter what people say about us, the way we've been treated, no matter our ups and down days and our mistakes and our failures, we are loved no matter what, no more and no less by God. It's done, as they say, it's in the books. So we can leave here, couldn't we? We're like, oh, we can get, be done early for once, but we're not going to leave yet because we need to remind it. We need to remind it and, and deep, just impressed upon us today as we go into this week. And I want to do that with going back to, I promised I would, and I finally got to it, to close our series out, and going back to Romans chapter 8. A couple of weeks ago, we were going through it, and, and, and we didn't get to the outline. Some of you kind of freaked out because you love to fill in the blanks, and you didn't get the opportunity. Today's your opportunity. And I want to go back to Romans 8 today. And if you could count on one hand, on one of my favorite chapters in the Bible is, is Romans 8. And it really expresses, there's some affirmations of God's love for us. Chris, we're going we're gonna to jump, we're going to jump right into them. These affirmations that, that, that God has given us. So if you're struggling, wonder if you're loved, wonder if, you, if anyone out there loves you. Again, this identity, what we're wrapping ourselves around, or maybe it's more hurt in your life than, than, than love. You need to be affirmed today in these. And these five affirmations, you can fill them in and put in your notes. You, I hope that you can take some time to d- discuss them in your small group this week when you have group. But I'd like us to read them out loud. And I want them to, I hope we will to drive deep and impress in our souls. When we say them out loud, they can be, become a reality because I believe these are, these are truth. So the first one of these love affirmations that God has for us is this. You can say this one with me. I am no longer condemned but approved. Let's say it out loud one more time. I am no longer condemned, but approved. That's God's love towards us. Uh, it was, it's been a few years ago. There's a, there was a gentleman at church. He's no longer here. Uh, he was accused of a terrible, terrible crime. And when I, when I read the crime, I'm like, oh my goodness. And he came to me and he says, I want you to know I didn't do this. And I have to admit that the evidence around it, everything, it didn't look real good for him. It was, it was, it was really stacked against him. And he wanted me to believe that. And I, I wanted to believe that, but deep down, I really couldn't believe that. I just couldn't. But he says to me, you believe me, right? 
And I had the choice, I had a moral dilemma a little bit, because I, I realized that I, I have to be honest with him, but I also wanted to show my care for him. And I just said to him, listen, I'm not your judge, I'm not your prosecuting attorney, and I'm not even your defense lawyer, but I'm your pastor, and I will love you regardless of the outcome. I will love you regardless of the outcome. And I want you to know God loves you regardless of the outcome. Regardless of what you did or didn't do, he still loves you. And if you're in Christ, you have that love. If you're in Christ, if knowing Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, if you're in Christ and you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are loved. And I I shared this Declaration to him is in Romans 8.1. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And for you and I, the reality is due to sin, we are all guilty and stand condemned in the courtroom of heaven. Yet Jesus is not only been our defense attorney, but he's the one who took our place. The substitutionary work of the cross is that he went to death row for us. We should have been there. We should have got the chair. We should have got the lethal injection. We should have got the capital punishment for our sin. No, Jesus did that for us. And therefore, we stand, we can stand in right relationship between a holy God with the blood of Christ covering over us. We're perfect and we're, we're in relationship with him because of that. We do not stand condemned in Christ. We are approved. Today, if you're feeling at times or through this week or this your life, you felt you, you got a story that you've been telling yourself, you've been abandoned, you've been, you, you didn't measure up, you felt judged, you felt rejected, you're haunted by your past, that bony finger that, 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 that shamed you at one time, can we be reminded in Christ, we are no longer condemned, but approved by him. That's a powerful affirmation. The other affirmation, if you could say this one with me, is this. Say it with me. I no longer have the mindset of the flesh, but of the spirit. Man, I no longer have to have a mindset of the flesh, but of the spirit. I don't know if you play sports or play, you know, coach sports or playing it. You know, when you kind of just get off a little bit, you know, part of it is just like you just, your body, you know, you wanted to do something, you made the wrong play or dropped the ball or something happened, you made a mistake. And the coach would say to you, get your head in the game. And you're just, and what it was is it's not a physical thing, it's a mental thing, it's a mental mindset. In our life, we need to get our spiritual head in the game at times. It's so important that we're prepared and being ready for that. And Paul talks about this, this, this contrast of this, he says this uh, in, in verse 5, he says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those living according with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, you in Christ, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you. If Jesus is your Lord, you declare him allegiance to him, and you have a relationship with God, guess what? You don't have to have a mindset of the, the, of the flesh any longer. You don't have to just be, you know, 
toss back and forth or whatever culture says is good, just do it. You don't have to be caught up in any of that. You don't have to be pulled away, enticed. Guess what? There's a choice you can make and you're empowered to that choice. You're empowered to live it out. The spirit of living God is in you. What's so powerful is this, you, as we talked before about this, you have the Holy Spirit's like a, a GPS, and that voice that can speak to you, that empowers you and tells you which way to turn. But here's the power in all of it. You have the choice to whether you're going to obey it or not. You have the power to obey it. You choose whether you're not to obey it in Christ. And so if you choose not to go the way that the Holy Spirit's guiding you, guess what? Rerouting, 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 right? It keeps trying to reroute you back. What is it rerouting you back to? The perfect will of God. The perfect will of God, it continues to bring back. And when you get back on the road and you're heading in a direction, guess what? You are on the optimum path ahead. You're like, well, I made mistakes back here and I did this back there. And did. No, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's behind you. You have, and you and I have the ability to walk in the perfect will of God, the perfect possible redeeming outcome, the best outcome it could ever be ahead if we obey and follow the Holy Spirit. And when we mistake, we're off the road, guess what? He gets us back on, and we're back on the, the best route he has for us. We've got to keep our spiritual head in the game. Not only where we're going, but realize again who we are. And I love this. We sang about it already. Romans 8, it says this, and it's an affirmation that we're going to go to. Next one is this. Can you say this one with me? I am no longer a slave, but a son or a daughter. I am no longer a slave, but a son or a daughter. A couple weeks ago, we told the prodigal story, the, the, the younger son and the older son. We spent a lot of time talking about Jesus, this younger son away, went away, and he outwardly rebelled, and then he came finally home when he lost everything. And the father brought him back in, had a party for him, but the older son got, was mad and, and jealous and and envious and, or, and, and bitter toward his father and the younger son. And this is the line he says, as he's mad about it. He says, all these years I've slaved for you. All these years, your younger son went that way and did everything, and now you're accepting him back. Well, look, at, I did all this here. I slaved for you. I worked for you. And what was happening, he was, he was in the father's house, but was not in relationship with the father. How many know you can be so close, you can be in the father's house, but not in relationship with the father? You can be in a religious setting. You can be in places. And are, is there really the motivation of your relationship? If, is it a love relationship or is it, is it more of a duty? Can I just encourage us and remind us that we're not slaves any longer in Christ. We're not, we're not just workers for him. We're sons and daughters. Paul says this of this relationship. He says, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves. So you live we sang this already, in fear again, rather the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Slaves have no, no inheritance, there's no benefit or anything like that. But when we're sons and daughters of our Father in heaven. There's a blessing that comes on this life and even in, obviously into the, to the next. We know that we're, we're, when God looks at us, he, we, he looks at us with pride and joy that we're yet you know, fully known by him, yet fully loved. What a powerful affirmation. 
that is. But here's another one that's so powerful. If you can read this one with me out loud. I am no longer hopeless, but filled with purpose. Man, I am no longer hopeless. I am filled with purpose. What a great thing to speak over your life this week. Man, I have, there's hope. Paul makes it very clear in Romans 8. When we're affirmed and loved by God, there will be suffering. There will be trials. There'll be struggle. There's going to be sorrow. My family, my, you know, lost my uncle pass. And next week is my aunt. And just a lot of grief. And we're like, God, we're just trying to get through this. And, this, and there's struggle in life. And, 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 and Paul embraces the struggle. He says this in verse 22. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. We're called by God and there's this fulfillment of adoption that one day we'll we'll find that fulfillment in heaven and it's going to be wonderful. But until then, listen to how he encourages. He says this, we're in this hope we are saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if you hope for what you do not yet have, we wait patiently. Yeah, here's the, in the waiting. I love this. We're not alone in the waiting. Verse 26, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Man, I'm so grateful. I don't know about you. I'm so grateful that when the pain and the tragedy and the sorrow, there's moments I just don't know what to pray. The Spirit helps me to pray. You've been in some social settings before where you were called to pray. Uh, you, you, you gather with some people and like, oh, hey, you're a church person. You pray. And you're like, oh, and you're just trying to, Lord God, Jesus, you're just trying to put words together. You just pray the whole Trinity. You don't have to pray, but you just, you pray it out and you just kind of fumble like, oh, that was just kind of a bad prayer. And I tell you, the only reason it's a bad prayer is if you didn't mean it. Because the reality is the Lord knows it's, it's you know, as much as we are trying to be eloquent and with these beautiful Shakespearean, you know, prayers and everything like that, it's, it's goo goo gaga to God. You know, because we're children of him. It doesn't mean it's not meaningful. What meaningful is our love and expression to him. Especially in our pain and our tragedy. where We're just grunting it out. It's like, oh, oh. And God hears the, oh. God hears the groans. And he's like, I connect with you. I know where your pain is. I'm with you in your weakness in the hardest, darkest moments of your life. Just express that to me. It doesn't have to be eloquent. It doesn't have to be in English. Just express to me. Because I love you, and I want to connect with you and your, your pain and everything that you're going through, that you're not alone, knowing that you're, you're fully known. I know what you're going through, but I want you to know you're fully loved. Which leads to verse 28, famous verse, most misunderstood verse in all Bible, I believe. And, and people use it as, a, as almost like a bumper sticker or discount it because it just seems so simple, and yet it's so profound. In the midst of the pain and everything we're going to and the struggle to believe this is this. At the end of it, know this. That we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him or called according to his purpose. Notice it says, not all things are good. That's the mistranslation. All things, like, how can all things be good? No, he doesn't say all things are good. There's a lot of bad. There's a lot of evil, horrible, horrible things. But what was it saying? 
all things that in all things God works for the good. For the good. In the midst of it all, there is some purpose. I think um, the tragedy of atheism, I really believe, is this: is that in the randomness of atheism, is 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 horrible. It's torture for people. That when they go through the most horrible things in life and they don't believe there's a higher power, they don't believe there's a divine involvement in any of it, that's, that's I, I think it's pure torture. A person would believe that or told to believe that there's no God. Because in the horror and the terrible things that happen, to think there's not some kind of remote purpose in it all because there's a divine a person, a purpose to it, is horrible, horrible thinking. I know there's times in the things we go through and into horrible, horrible things that have happened to you already, happened to your loved ones, that you're just like, God, why? God, why? God, why? But we need to know that all things work together for good for those who love and are called according to his purpose. And we don't know the good until one day we'll all be together and it all makes sense. You're like, how can you say that? How can you believe that? I don't know. I'm just not God and you're not God. And if we go into the infinite mind of God, which you can't comprehend, there, there, there's, some, there's some purpose in all of it. But one thing it does do, it draws us to ourselves, uh, us to, uh, to one another and to the Lord, hopefully in a deeper way as we go through it. But his spirit interceding with us to get us through that leads to this final promise, this final affirmation. Like, am I love? Am I love? Yes, you are love for, for this. It's this statement. Can you read it with me? I am no longer a victim, but more than a conqueror. Wow. I believe somebody's going to need to say that to themselves this week. When you're in traffic and your problem, you get bad news or something happened, you, you feel the lowest you low you felt and all, all you felt and everything, the world's crashing down. Like, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm not a victim. I, I'm, a, I'm more than a, a conqueror. And that's our fight against, not against people, but the cultural mentality that stop. We got to stop blaming and shaming. There's so much blaming and shaming that goes on. And we got to put aside our victim mentality or we'll continue to be trapped. Can I, can I, this is, this is, yes, I think this is good to say it this way. Is, and you got to hear this. If you are in Christ, you are no longer a victim. You have to stop with the victim mentality. You need to stop with the victim story because it's, it's offensive to God. And not God's going to like, you know, smack you down or anything like that. But he's like, no, no, it's, it, 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 it hurts his heart. Like you're not, you're not a victim any longer. You have victory. Christ. It doesn't mean you don't have struggle. It doesn't mean you have problems. It doesn't mean you're in process. You're going through, but ultimately you're a conqueror. Actually, you're more than a conqueror. More than a conqueror. That's what it says. You're more than a conqueror. This is what it says. It says, what should we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And the answer is nothing. Nobody. Now here it comes. Look at this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it's written, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things, here it is, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Wow. Conquerors? No, no, no. More. What's more mean? I don't know. It means more. It's a lot more. Right? I don't know. You figure that out. What does more mean to you? But we're not just conquerors. Something above and beyond God wants to do. I love how that this, he ends with such assurance and conviction. It says this, for I am convinced, here it is, 
but neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, nor any height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul's saying there's nothing. He, just, he had to cover every angle. There, there's nothing can separate us from this love in Christ Jesus. Listen, not, nothing, no one, no matter anyone who said to you, or you, doesn't anything matter, but this love that we have, that we are fully known. And how amazing this, oh, and yet fully loved. If we could live that way in a greater dimension, oh man, think about that. If we truly could... could grasp it. It changes everything in our outlook of life. I'm going to invite our team to come as we close here today. But I got this last question. It'll land the plane in the series, kind of more than meets the eye. When we look in our, when we look in the, the mirror of our life, when we look deeply beyond the surface, more than meets the eye that we see of ourselves, that we know that we're deeply loved. Here, here's the question challenge. How will you live loved this week? If you know deeply that you're loved, you are loved, how do you live it? How do you walk in the mentality of living loved? You're already loved. So what do you do with that? You know, listen, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that we don't or, you know, want love. I mean, there's still a desire to love as people love us. That There's still this give or take relationship. I don't want to take that away and dismiss human love. But what if we walk in a greater dimension that knowing how deeply we love by God and everything you heard today and everything that can be affirmed in your life of that love and it's proven on the cross for that love, that you left this place, you and I went out and, and we live that out of that loved, meaning that we're already loved. So any love that we receive is just a bonus in our life. That I don't need your love. Though I, I like it, and, and though I appreciate it, and you appreciate the love I give to you, that's, I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with that. But what if it's, we're not needy of it? What if we loved each other in such a way that, that we really don't, are not even worried about getting it back? When we get it, we want to be receptive of it. We don't want to say, oh, I don't need it. No, we, we want to give and take love. That's how it works. So we want to reject it. We want, it, it's something good for people to give because they want to give because they love you so much. You want to do the same. You want that. But what if they, as you reach out to people, they don't receive it back? How about this? Who cares? Well, I care. Do you know you're deeply, deeply loved by God? What freedom that brings. Oh, man. What, that, just think about that as, as, a, as a married couple. Think about that for your spouse. You're trying to get something from them, so you give something to them. That's, that's fun. That's a, there's a give or take relationship. You need each other's needs. But what if it was beyond that? What if you just love them for who they are? Not love them the way you like to be loved, but love them the way you know they like to be loved. And what if you didn't get anything back? That's true love, isn't it? But what I get, you don't, you're already loved. What if you love your kids that way? What if, what, if, what if you put down your work and they put down their devices and you spent time together and you loved each other and cave love? Well, your kids are like, well, they, they don't get it. Well, they don't get it yet because you're modeling it to them. You just love them for who they are. You just care about it. You spend time with them. You're not trying to, you're not trying to help, you know, even help them as we try to help unless they want to be helped. You're, you're just loving them purely. What if we did that with one another, that anybody we meet, the friends that we have, the people that are in a small group, that we just love them. What if we, what if we text them this week? Hey, just thinking of you. No strings attached. That we reached out in such a way. What would happen if we 
were that church that did that? What if we left this place that we're so filled with God's love and we're continually reminded of that love that, that we're not brash about it, we don't need it. No, anybody else? No, we're just living it and it just bubbles through us and bubbles out of us and we just we just share that love and we, we care for people and we just do it, nothing to get back. We just love. What if, what if that was the ultimate that we would do? It would just change everything, wouldn't it? I have a feeling it'd be hard to get seats in this place. I think there's going to be difficult because, man, this is a place of love. This is a place that we can give and call because of the abundance of God. And it never runs out. It never runs dry. This love, a living love, it's not that's just what we do. It's who I am. It's who you are. What if we did that today? Will you pray with me? Oh, Lord, I, I'm laughing because it, it's like we could actually, this message, we could make it so, like, it almost could come off elementary. It can almost like, oh, yeah, yeah, we know all this. Oh, we're so far from it, Lord. Oh, we need your help. There's no more you need to prove. You proved it, Jesus, of your great love for us by dying on the cross for us. It's done. And now we just need to live it. But, oh, Lord, everything about this world and the, the devil, the enemy himself, wants to tell us elsewhere, Lord. Tell us something else, Lord. And so, God, we just, we need to be affirmed again, Lord, over and over, that love. Be reminded that love. Oh, Lord, help us to do that. Help us to read your love letters this week. Oh, Lord, that we continue just to soak it in, soak it in to be reminded of that. And as we soak in your love, through your letters and through your spirit, Lord, reminding us, whispering in our ear, not only tell us where to go, but where, who we are in you. Lord, we'll be able to do that in a greater way to the people around us. We'll have the capacity. It would just, it would just overflow out of us in such a way that it would, just, it would just be us, that we would just live loved. God, it would be a game changer, not only for our lives and the people around us, but our community that desperately, desperately oh Lord, Blaine high school middle school, elementary school oh God, they need love, our our workplaces need this love our community, our, our neighborhood, our very homes that we're in need this Lord, but we live it, model it in your name we pray, in Jesus name, amen, amen that's what we gotta do so, uh,